Amen. Please be seated. Wow. Thank you so much for your words, Scott. It's been just a joy serving here. And I remember when I was called four years ago to consider being executive pastor here, and it came from out of the blue, total surprise, but, you know, I've never had a clearer sense of call. And it's been the same all the way through. Even now, with this being my last Sunday here, I've just received this sense that this was the time and place to be here. And I'm praying that that's going to happen again in my next call. And I want to thank you all. It's been a huge blessing serving here. A huge blessing to my family and me. That God put us right here during this time with my kids in high school especially. And your prayers have sustained my family. I thank you for that. And I invite you to please keep praying for us. Thanks. Well, this text that Terry just read for us is a great time and place for me to deal with this message also, moving on and trying to be in tune with where the Spirit of God is blowing. And so as we begin to enter into that text, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your Spirit. Holy Spirit, we call out to you and we ask, fall afresh on us. Guide us in your grace and truth and give us fresh understanding as you meet us here this morning. Meet us again as the life-changing truth. And we ask that the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I remember the first time I heard somebody describe me as a born-again Christian. Oh, I winced. I, I didn't like it. It happened when I was at Microsoft and I was getting ready to leave and go to seminary. And one of my friends came to me to ask about this rumor and he told me that so-and-so had called me a born-again Christian. And it wasn't a compliment. It made me really uncomfortable. I felt like I had been labeled. And even though I am a born-again Christian, and, and I thank God for that, but why has that label taken on a negative meaning in our culture? Do you know where it comes from? It comes from this text that we just read. That Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in the night. And when Nicodemus used that phrase, born again, I mean, when Jesus used that phrase, born again, it certainly wasn't a negative thing, was it? He wasn't using it to label someone or describe someone as closed-minded or self-righteous or someone of a particular political bent. He was using it to try to force Nick into this mystery to think afresh. And that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to enter into this mystery with Nick. And I guess I could have called this Nick at night. He's, <laughs> he's coming to Jesus by night and we're wondering why. And we're also wondering where are the other Pharisees? Why is Nick the only one brave enough to come to Jesus at night? Well, I think it probably has something to do with Nick's day job. See, Nick is a Pharisee. He is a teacher of teachers, a rabbi of rabbis. He, he's a full professor in teaching the Holy Scriptures. So what is he doing coming out at night 
to meet Jesus, this radical rabbi who's a carpenter who hangs out with fishermen? Well, the other good question is, why is Nick the only one who shows up to do this? What moved him to do that? Well, as we pictured these two rabbis meeting at night, the full professor and the carpenter, the radical rabbi from Nazareth, we realized that Nick must have a pretty good reason for being here. He says that it's about the signs that they've all seen Jesus doing, and those signs are evidence of God at work. But yet that wasn't enough to get the others to come out to see Jesus, was it? The signs drew a lot of people to Jesus, mostly because they wanted to be healed. They, they wanted to experience the miraculous healing power of God, and that's what brought the people out to Jesus. But that's not it either. That's not what brought Nick out at this night. I think Nick senses there's something going on here. There's something fascinating about the teaching of this Jesus that he wants to learn more about. And I want us to learn that also this morning. Let's go to night school with Nick. But before we can hear these words the way that Nick heard them, we've got to go to grammar school, as it were, for, were for just two words. I've got, I need to share two words with you. So you can really hear this the way Nick heard it. The first is a double entendre. It has two meanings. When Jesus says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you don't know where it comes from or where it goes to, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. When he says the wind, it means spirit. It's the same exact word. In the Greek, it's pneuma. People sitting in the front row know what it means. Pneuma. It's, it's wind. It even sounds like wind. It's, it's in, in the Greek uh, and in the ancient Hebrew of the Bible, it's even the same word for the breath. Breath. Spirit. Wind. It's the exact same word. It comes straight through into English from the Greek and words like pneumatic or pneuma, uh, pneumonia. It has to do with breath. So the wind or the spirit blows where it wishes. The Holy Spirit is like wind. It's powerful like wind. It can be terrifying like wind. In a hurricane, it can be gentle like a breeze. We can hoist a sail to catch it, but we can't control it. We can't make it go this way or that. All we can do is respond to it. And the Holy Spirit is mysterious like wind. We can hear it, but we can't see it, and we can't bottle it. We can't contain it because the Holy Spirit is God on the move. In fact, I like that definition of the Holy Spirit. God on the move. Well, now here's the second word that we need to learn. And this happens when Jesus says, Amen, amen. That means, for sure, I tell you. Unless someone is born from above, he can't see the kingdom of God. Born from above is one word, anothen, which has two meanings. Again, it's a double entendre. From above, again. It's the exact same word. And it's used in the Bible and other places to mean both things. It's used in ancient Greek to mean both things. So Jesus is deliberately using confusing language because there's a mystery going on here which is bigger than the words. To be born again is to be born from above. He's deliberately using a play on words. 
He's having fun with Nick. He's trying to force Nick to think in fresh ways. He's trying to force him to have a perception adjustment. And he says, don't be surprised that I say to you, you must be born again. You can tell that this has become a mind bender for Nick. He's just not getting it. How can someone be born when he's old? He can't climb into his mother's womb a second time and be born. It's fresh language that's forcing him to think. And that, that language, unfortunately, has gone a little stale in our ears today when we say born again. You see, it's not a label. Jesus is using it in the exact opposite way. He's using it to say that to be born again is to have a fresh change of reality, a change in perception. To be born again, it's all about identity. We get our identity from our birth. To be born again is to receive a new identity. To be born again is to be able to answer the question, who am I? And to be born again is to be changed by the Spirit of God coming from above, bringing new life, bringing new identity, bringing second birth. What changes us is a fresh encounter with something new, something from beyond this world. What changes us is when we meet Jesus. He changes us. Look, look what happens when Nick meets Jesus. There are two themes running throughout this conversation. The first theme is judgment. It's almost like Jesus is saying in a backhanded way, don't be such a know-it-all, Mr. Professor. Look how Nick comes to him. He comes to him saying, Rabbi, we know. He doesn't come to him asking to learn something. He comes to him saying, we know. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Because no one can do these signs that you're doing unless God is with them. Well, Jesus flips it right around on him and says, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Is that a word of judgment? And then at the end he says, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't understand. Actually, I think he might have said it like this. You are a teacher of Israel. And you don't understand. You see what Jesus is doing here? When he says... You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. He is having so much fun with Nick. He is extending to Nick grace. It's as if he's saying, My son, Nick, you have seen these signs that I'm doing. You have seen the kingdom of God. You have been born again. It's a fresh encounter with grace that brought you here, Nick. And he's being playful. And the theme of grace that runs throughout this dialogue trumps the theme of judgment. Every time we meet Jesus, we meet a, it's a life-changing encounter with grace. And if we're able to go through life without being able to see grace and learn and see God's kingdom at work, we haven't met Jesus. We, we haven't been changed yet until that happens. Every meeting with Jesus is a life-changing encounter with grace. Free spirit grace. Born from above grace. Breath of God grace. And yeah, Jesus is the one to whom all authority on heaven and earth has been given. The authority to, to judge. 
And yet when we meet him, what do we hear? When we meet him, we always get an encounter with the word of God's grace spoken into human life. Jesus is a teacher of grace. And that means that we need to become learners of grace. It helps if we find teachers of grace around us. One of those for me that I met, and unfortunately, I didn't arrive in Seattle soon enough to actually hear him preach at University Presbyterian Church was Bruce Larson. But some of you have heard Bruce Larson preach. But I've been able to sit in board meetings with him for the Seattle Association for Theological Education. And I remember one board meeting in particular. It was very tense. There was a policy debate. kind of became an argument in the middle of the board meeting. It got really tense and the board was evenly split and we were getting nowhere on this decision. It was uncomfortable and there was a moment of silence and Bruce hadn't said anything. And then he told this, started telling this story that had absolutely nothing to do with anything we were talking about. And it was something about filling the swimming pool with the hose. And the problem is if you got a lot of pressure, a lot of water pressure, that hose gets kind of dangerous. You know, when you flip on the water, it could whip around and hurt somebody. Well, one way of solving that is by standing on the hose. Problem is, you can't fill the pool if you're standing on the hose. You've got to get off the hose. And we paused and we realized Bruce was famous for saying you've got to get off the hose. You've got to let the Holy Spirit flow. Yeah, it may be a little unpredictable what happens, but you've got to let it flow. Completely changed. We stopped. In the middle of the meeting, we stopped and prayed. And it was as if you could feel the Holy Spirit descending on the room and filling the room. And it changed us. The next thing we knew, we were together. We made our decision in unity, trusting the Holy Spirit, and we moved on. That's the kind of learner that we need to be, the kind of learner who learns to see grace, to look for it. And I wonder what kind of learner was Nick? Did he get it? Was he born again? Well, it doesn't say here in what we just read, but if you read on in the Gospel of John and you get to chapter 7, you find this. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus before and who was the one who was one of them, in other words, one of the Pharisees, on the night that they arrested Jesus, Nicodemus asked, our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? They replied, surely you are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and you will see that no prophet will come from Galilee. And then again in John chapter 19, we find this. At the scene of the cross, who's there? Nick. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. It's right there in the scripture. Was Nick born again? I think Nick 
met something that night that changed him. And then the next time he met Jesus, he was able to do it in broad daylight at the scene of the cross as they took his body down before sunset to get it down off the cross before the Sabbath. He was there. And this time, he doesn't have anything to say. He simply shows up. I think he met Jesus, and when he did, it was a life-changing encounter with grace. And when we meet Jesus, it's the same thing for us. I love the verse that is a kind of life verse for me. Galatians 2.20 For I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me, because he's given me a new identity. He's showing me who I am. Someone who has met him becomes my identity. And when we do that, we can become learners of grace and teachers of grace because no matter how we live our life, we're teaching somebody something somewhere by every action. And when we do that, born-again Christian starts to mean what it's supposed to mean in the first place. Why, born-again Christians ought to be the people who know that it's all a gift. The people who are the most generous people in the world because they know it's all a gift. The people who are pouring out grace upon everybody around them. The people who are extending grace. The people who know that life is not a zero-sum game. The people who know that life is not about keeping score. It's not about who was right and who was wrong and who hurt me and when. And No. Being a born-again Christian is all about remembering who we are. And we have to keep on learning that every day. We have to be reborn every day. And then when that happens, we become teachers of grace and learners of grace. And I believe Jesus wants us to learn both knowledge and grace. But the one we find most challenging and most life-giving is the latter. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, come to us. Lord, help us to find those places in life where we can see your kingdom at work and meet you and then let us praise you for taking us to that place. Let us praise you, Holy Spirit, for moving in our life like the wind. And Lord, we pray that you would do that again right now, today. And if we don't know our way, that's okay, Lord, you do. Help us to trust you to to show us the way. We pray in your name. Amen.